Hi listeners, and welcome to the True Crime Weekly Podcast, a podcast that is based in San Diego and hosted by me, Alina Trujillo, and my producer, Jose Fernandez. This is a podcast where I will be bringing you stories of murder, infamous cases, and unsolved mysteries. And in this week's episode, I will be telling you about the mysterious and controversial death of Max Shacknai and Rebecca Sahal. On July 11, 2011, at around 10 a.m., Zina Sahal, Rebecca's Sahal's sister, calls 911 for help after six-year-old Max Shacknai takes a tragic fall. Rebecca Sahal has been taking care of Max Shacknai, her boyfriend's six-year-old son, and Zina Sahal, which was Rebecca's 13-year-old sister. It has been said that Zina was upstairs taking a shower and that Rebecca was in the downstairs bathroom when she hears a loud crash outside the door. When she walks out of the bathroom, she discovers Max laying on the floor with his scooter on his side and the chandelier shattered on the floor. Immediately, Rebecca springs into action and she starts to give Max CPR as she yells out for her sister, Sina, to call 911. When the paramedics arrive at the Coronado Mansion, they find Rebecca Sahau kneeling next to Max, giving him CPR beneath the stairwell landing of the home. 911, where's your emergency? Are you there? Hello? My sister is trying to be today at a, a, a boy. I'm sorry, she can't breathe. What's your address? Paramedics describe Rebecca as very upset by Max's fall. They said that she was crying uncontrollably. And you can even hear her crying in the background of that 911 call that we just played. Paramedics would rush Max to a nearby hospital and later Max would be transported to Rady's Children's Hospital. And on July 16th, Max would succumb to his injuries. Do you know what type of injuries he actually suffered? Yes. So it was reported that Max had fallen nine feet from the second floor banister. That's such a huge fall. Yes, it is. So he had suffered spinal cord injuries along with facial bone fractures. The spinal cord injury was the one that resulted in difficulties with his breathing and his heart rate. And due to the lack of oxygen to the brain, it's ultimately what resulted in the irreversible brain damage that he had suffered from that fall. So at that point, are we saying it was just an accident or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, well, I mean, the circumstances are still kind of weird, but yeah, they're saying he was just being a kid and he took this fall. Oh, so tragic. Yeah. Okay, so let me tell you about Rebecca Sahal. Rebecca Sahal was a 32-year-old living in Arizona when she had gotten a divorce from her first husband. She was working at the time at an eye doctor's office as a optometric technician when she would meet millionaire Jonah Shacknai. Jonah liked the fact that Rebecca was known to be a worldly person 
She was smart. She was beautiful. She was full of life. And she spoke six different languages. Wow, six languages? Yes. That's amazing, isn't it? I know two. Uh, me too. I can barely keep track of those two. But <laughs> So Jonah and Rebecca would start to date immediately after meeting. And the two would vacation to Coronado for the summer. The two had been dating for nearly two years when the horrible tragic events occurred. Jonah was a self-made millionaire and had been married twice prior to meeting Rebecca. And Jonah had two kids with his first wife and he had one child, Max, with his second wife, Dina. Rebecca and Max were very close. She would play with him and she would read to him as well. So when Max had that horrible accident, it was reported that Rebecca felt awful about the situation and wanted to just be there for her boyfriend. So when she called Jonah to let him know about the accident, he would call his ex-wife, Dina. On the day of Max's accident, Rebecca called her boyfriend, Jonah, to let him know what happened. And it was said that she was devastated by the accident and she felt horrible about it. But she was also trying to remain strong for her boyfriend. So Jonah would ask Rebecca if she can pick up his ex-wife's twin sister, Nina, because Rebecca was already going to be at that airport dropping off her younger sister, Sina. And Jonah figured, you know, you can drop off Sina and pick up Nina. And later on that same day, she would also go back to the airport to pick up Jonah's brother, Adam. Now, this is where things start to get a little weird, okay? So while Rebecca was picking up Nina from the airport, Nina would ask her what happened, you know, which is natural. That's her nephew. So she just wants to know, hey, what happened? Yeah, it makes sense. Right. So she wanted to better understand what happened to her nephew, Max, since now Max was in a coma due to this accident. So Nina would describe her conversation with Rebecca as odd. She felt that Rebecca was not forthcoming with information. And Nina had all intentions to tell her sister Dina about this encounter with Rebecca when she got to the hospital. But once Nina arrives, she decides not to tell her sister about the situation since she could see that she was preoccupied with Max and his condition. After dropping off Nina at the hospital, Rebecca would eventually pick up Adam, Jonah's brother, from the airport. And then he would head back to the house where it said that Adam and Rebecca would talk in the kitchen and then they would retire to their rooms. Adam was to sleep out in the guest room, which was detached from the main house. And it was in the back part of the mansion. And Rebecca would retire back to her room, which obviously was inside of the, the mansion. So it is said that Rebecca took a shower that night talked to her sister about the accident and about her father's birthday because her father's birthday was coming up. Then she would lay down to sleep. Now, the problem is that no one really knows what happened that night because by morning on July 13th, 2011, at around 6.45 a.m., a 911 call is made by Adam. 
It was reported that Adam woke up that morning and was going to go into the main house to see if there was any coffee. And while making the walk to the main house, he would come across Rebecca's body hanging from the balcony. She committed suicide? Well, you see, this is where the whole case gets turned upside down. So you hear that Adam found her hanging from the balcony. So you do think suicide. But here's the thing. Rebecca's hands and feet were bound together. Well, how would she do that? Wait, so that means someone killed her and threw her over then, right? Well, get this. When cops get to the scene, they find odd things on the scene. So I'm going to try and walk you through some of the evidence. So when they make their way to the room where Rebecca had thrown herself from the balcony, or rather allegedly thrown herself from the balcony, one of the things they notice is that the door to the room had writing on it. With black paint on it, it said, she saved him, can you save her? Along with this cryptic message, they would also come across a knife on the floor of the room with blood on the handle, a black paint tube, and a paintbrush. There was also a red rope in which she was hung by that was tied to the bottom part of the bedpost. And it was said that there was also ritualistic books that were found in the room. So after the cops had already encountered these odd things at the scene, you know, the scene started to look a little fishy. But after the autopsy was done, the DNA tests were ran, and later the cops were determined that this was a suicide. No way, really? I mean, everything points to staged. If right. she was tied up, how would you... While you're tied up with bound to your hands, your back, how are you going to jump off the ledge? So they were only able to find her DNA in the room on that knife that I had mentioned earlier. She hadn't been raped and all the other injuries she had suffered were consistent with a suicide. Wait, so what other injuries though? What type of injuries did she have? Well, during the first autopsy or the second? We'll start with the first. <laughs> so the first autopsy revealed that Rebecca was, in fact, alive when she went over the balcony. Okay. It also revealed that the neck injuries were consistent with a drop from that height. As opposed to a regular hanging, they found that she was not sexually assaulted. And there were no other significant injuries. And the reason for her feet being dirty because oh by the way they also found that her feet the bottom of her feet were dirty um well they just said that's from walking on the dirty balcony now the second autopsy revealed a lot more the second autopsy was done by top forensic pathologist Cyro Wet. now He's known for his high-profile cases like the John F. Kennedy case, the John Benet Ramsey, and even the Anna Nicole Smith. Oh, wow. He's been working a lot. Mm-hmm. Now, he finds four hemorrhages under Rebecca's scalp, which suggests blunt force trauma to the head. And that wasn't found in the first one. Mm-mm. Oh. 
Though this hemorrhage was found in the initial autopsy, it seems to have been inexplicably dismissed by law enforcement. These injuries would undoubtedly have caused a concussion or unconsciousness in which her immobility would easily explain the lack of evidence of a struggle and clean toxicology report. With the second autopsy, Wet was able to corroborate that Rebecca would have suffered more severe neck injuries had she fallen from such a height. Wait, so they're saying that if she really would have fallen from that height, her neck injuries would have been worse? Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. So Rebecca suffered fractures to the front structures of the neck, but no fractures of the neck vertebrae, something that would have happened as a result of hanging. So ultimately, Wet had his serious doubts about the conclusion of the manner of death and how it was ruled a suicide. And he leans very strongly toward it being a homicide. He considers these findings sufficient enough to warrant a re-examination of the investigation. And he recommends changing the house manner of death to undetermined in order to keep the case open. How did the second autopsy come to be? So, Rebecca's family refused to believe that she committed suicide, especially in the manner that she was found. I mean, she was found naked, her hand and feet were bound, and apparently she had a red t-shirt that was wrapped around her, her mouth area, like to keep her from screaming. So they just, they refuse to believe that, one, Rebecca would never commit suicide. And two, that if she were to commit suicide, this is not the way that she would do it. Yeah, I mean, I would think that nobody would want to do that. Right, you know, just... That way, at least. Yeah. So, but this is where there's, again, a lot of controversy because it was also reported... I saw this documentary on, I believe it was on Oxygen, where I guess after Adam found Rebecca's body and calls 911, he lets Jonah know, you know, hey, Rebecca committed suicide. And Jonah's at the hospital with his son, Max, and Dina. When he gets that phone call, mm-hmm. and as Dina's in the room with him, I guess there's like, this gesture that he makes where he makes like a stabbing motion to his stomach and he says to Dina, you know, Asian honor. So to him, he thought this is suicide. But again, how would you come to that conclusion? Right. I mean, it's all very odd, but this is why, again, Rebecca's family till this day refuses to believe that she did commit suicide or that she even did it in this manner. I mean, it's all very odd. Why would she write that on the on the door? And, you know, with the ritualistic books that were found, it's just it's all very odd. Yeah. I mean, on just looking at it as somebody that hasn't seen all the details, just from what you see in the media, it looks very much staged. It does not mm-hmm. look like a suicide in any way. Now, obviously, I know the Sheriff's Department has done a lot of research and and testing but 
still seems very odd, very fishy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that this is one of those cases where we might never really know what happens, you know? it's It's been reported that supposedly um, Rebecca had checked her voicemail before she they, they had found her or before the time that they think around this time she committed suicide. So they think that the voicemail was of Jonah leaving her a voicemail saying, hey, Max isn't doing well and we, we're going to have to remove him from life support. And that's where it said that supposedly Rebecca was just so heartbroken over this. And I mean, I get it. You know, at the end of the day, Rebecca was in charge of Max on that day. And for this horrible accident to happen while he's under her care. But her family, you know, still says like, that's not enough for Rebecca to say, you know what? I'm ending my life. They just refuse to believe that. So it wasn't until a civil lawsuit that went on between the Sahel family and Adam Shacknai in 2018 that the Coronado police agreed to examine the case for a second time and later they would come to the same conclusion. They ruled it a suicide and they stated that no new evidence was found on the case to lead them to believe that it was something other than a suicide. So it didn't matter what this other forensic pathologist had found about, you know, the the bones that were broken on her neck or the lack of break, breakage and like that didn't matter to them. I mean, it's all just, no, I don't know. It's all very, I mean, very the, odd. The, probably the biggest one is for me is the, the type of breakage in her neck. Right. That isn't consistent with the fall. I mean, that's pretty, pretty clear. But again, I mean, if, I'm sure there's, there are experts looking at it, but I guess why so much back and forth on this? Like, I guess why why is there so much scrutiny with the sheriff's department? Is there any other backstory as to like almost like it's being covered up? Right. I mean, well, that's what a lot of people think that it's being covered up, but I mean, again, there was also all these rumors that supposedly um, Jonah. I think it had it had been reported like days or maybe even weeks after everything happened. He was done talking about it. He was trying to put this behind him because his business was losing um, money over it. So it just, I mean, I guess, again, I think that this is one of those cases where we might just never know what happened. You know, um, we do know that Jonah is a millionaire and maybe he has some pull there i mean we don't know but you know it is very odd again me as a woman i don't know that i would choose to commit suicide in that manner i don't know that any woman would commit suicide in that manner that you know rebecca was found in i don't know if anybody wants to be found you know fully exposed like that and I don't know. I guess it was also reported how the sheriffs had reenacted. Um, they, there's like a video where you can find online where the sheriffs, they had somebody tie their hands and then 
um, being able to position behind their back. So kind of make it seem like, hey, this is doable. If she if she really wanted to do it this way, it can be done. If you look at it closely, like it was said, like the knots that are in the sheriff's video versus the knots that are in the evidence pictures from Rebecca, they, they weren't exactly the same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's just, there's just like a lot of odd things with this case. And like I said, we just might never know what really happened to Rebecca or even Max for that matter. I mean, even Max's death is still a big question mark for Dina and her family you know they still also can't understand how he can take a fall the way that he did right. and you know there was even in court there was all this reenactment but they still can't understand that so i think that both of the deaths are just it's it's, it's they're both very odd odd and tragic mm -hmm. it's very unfortunate yeah yeah and you know, again, we keep on saying how odd this is, but something that I forgot to mention, it was that when they did um, their initial investigation of the room, like heading to the room where um, she had thrown herself from the balcony, they had found that there was menstrual blood outside of the room. Because remember, it said that she had taken a shower and then she had walked out, which... Again, this goes back to, again, me being a woman. I don't know that I'd be walking around naked and I'm on my menstrual cycle and I'm having to take the time to, you know, let me write this cryptic message on the door. And, you know, it just, I don't know. That's just my personal opinion. Like, I, I don't know that that's just, again... That I'm just going to be waltzing around naked while I'm on my menstrual period. So that I, I found that just extremely odd. And, you know, the fact that I had also read that they did a, a rape kit on her. And obviously they found that she wasn't sexually assaulted. But that knife that they had found on the floor of the room, you know, the only place that it had blood was on the handle. So... I guess when this second guy came in and did the autopsy and he reviewed the evidence, he found he found it odd. Like, why would there be blood only on the handle mm -hmm. and not on the actual blade? And he just thought, okay, they did the rape kit, but that wouldn't necessarily show, I guess, that maybe somebody stuck the, the handle part of the blade inside of her. That, that, that was never right that was that was yeah. never even you know tested it's just there's so many inconsistencies so many things that it sounds to me like they weren't looking for it just it sounds like the cops from the very beginning they received the 911 call from dispatch saying you know there was a lady found and everybody just automatically said, oh, we we were just there in the house. Now it's the lady that committed suicide. Like, it was almost like... A tragic event happened. Oh, she feels bad for this. So naturally, she committed suicide. Yeah, so it was kind of like to them an open and shut case and didn't really bother to, 
really investigated how maybe they should have. Like, for example, that 911 call that Adam made. Like, don't you find it weird just how he supposed obviously he supposedly knows Rebecca. I mean, it's noted that before they went to bed, they were having a conversation in the kitchen. Yet when you hear that 911 call that we played earlier, like you hear him yelling, it sounds like from afar, like, hey, are you alive? Like, I don't know, that to me is just odd. It did seem odd, almost like there wasn't a, any type of relationship, like it was a stranger or something. I know that if I would have known the person, I'm pretty sure I would have said, I would have called them by their name. I would have called her by Rebecca. Right, that's what I would think. I mean, I wouldn't want to come near a body that I just happened to stumbled upon if I don't know that person. I mean, that would just freak me out personally. But like, if I know that person, I'm gonna go up to the body, you know, and like, I don't know, touch it, move it, cut her down. And I know he did cut her down, but it's just odd how he just yelled from what it sounded from afar, like, hey, are you alive? Like, that's just so odd to me. Like. Like I said, that's just something that I would do if I stumbled across a body that I didn't know. It, it seems to me like maybe they could have investigated a little bit more into the suicide. And maybe even if they would have listened to the 911 call, they would have noticed that there were just like a few odd things from there. But again, I don't know. That's just my personal opinion. One you thing know, that I found kind of odd is I mean, how do you do that? How are you able to bring down the body, cut the body, and then do that by yourself? Right. And that was the other thing. So on that oxygen special that I saw, they brought in somebody to analyze the 911 call. And they said that after zooming in into the call and the voices, like they found that they can vaguely hear somebody else's voice. They can't make out what that somebody else Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, what they're saying. It was a voice recognition. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there we go. So, but they can clearly hear um, when they zoom in, they can hear Adam saying, hold her still. So it, it seemed like almost like somebody was holding Rebecca's body as he was cutting the rope. I don't know. If there's other people that can find this kind of stuff, why didn't they find it initially? Why didn't the cops find that? You know, I... Like I said, I just, it seems like they were like, oh, okay, we were called into this house before. It was a tragic accident of a, a son. And now we have the stepmom or the girlfriend and, you know, it's a suicide. She feels guilty. They're done. Let's clean our hands of it and close the case. Whether, you know, there's just so many more other things going on. Or at least it seems like. I also read that supposedly the room, it only had her DNA. So that to them was, well, again, nobody else could have done it. There's no forced entry. There's, it's only her DNA that's found everywhere in the room. But again, this is a, a common area. To me, that's odd at the same time. You know, if this is your house, shouldn't max's dna be on on that room like on the handle or on, the husband you know the the boyfriend it, anybody i mean it's it's i don't know that again that to me is odd but at the same time it's also odd how can somebody 
commit something like this and then, oh, let me just wipe down my DNA. I don't know that anybody would be able to figure that out. But like I said, it's just it's just all very odd. Um, I did read somewhere that maybe it was like something to do with politics. I mean, it's just all a big conspiracy theory as to what really happened. That's really and, what it sounds like. A lot of mm-hmm. different conspiracies can lead to, you know, sheriffs being elected elected <laughs> you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot that can really go into it but who knows the i guess the real what the reality is one thing we do know is that there were two tragic deaths mm-hmm. and you know a, a lot of pain that came from that right and that's uh, i mean that's the sad part that comes with this story you know at the end of the day um dina might not ever get closure as to what really happened to her son and same thing for the Sahau family you know, they might not really get closer as to what really happened to Rebecca. You know, did somebody do this to her and made it seem like a suicide? We just might never know. So as mentioned in our previous episodes, at the end of every episode, we have been trying to bring you a open case from Crime Stoppers. And this week, San Diego County Crime Stoppers and investigators from the San Diego Police Department Homicide Unit are asking for the public's help in identifying and locating the suspect responsible for the murder of 65-year-old Stephen Barnes. On July 21, 2018, at around 2.04 a.m., officers of the San Diego Police Department responded to a report of an injured person in the 4500 block of Pacific Highway in the Old Town area of San Diego. Officers located Stephen Barnes laying on the sidewalk at that location. Barnes has sustained lacerations and trauma to his upper torso. San Diego Fire Department paramedics responded to the scene and rendered first aid to Barnes. And despite their efforts, Barnes was pronounced dead at the scene. Detectives from the San Diego Police Department Homicide Unit responded to the scene and detectives were able to get a suspect information during the course of their investigation. The suspect's description is described as light-skinned male, possible Hispanic and black, or white and black, between the ages of 18 and 25 years old, thin build, approximately 5'8 to 5'10, gaudy and shoulder-length dark-colored hair. The suspect was last seen wearing a tan, dicky-style shorts with red stripes, light color shirt, a black backpack, and white stripes, and was seen riding a yellow OFO bicycle. Anyone with information on this murder is asked to call the San Diego Police Department Homicide Unit at 619-531-2293 or contact your local Crime Stoppers anonymous tip line at 888-580-580. 8477. And just remember that every tip is anonymous with Crime Stoppers, and only you can make a difference. If you want to look at pictures and want more information on the cases that we cover, you can head over to TrueCrimeWeeklyPodcast.com. You can also follow us on Instagram on Podcast True Crime Weekly. And I would truly love it and appreciate it if you would leave a five-star review and subscribe onto Apple Podcasts. 
The only way that people find out about us is through subscribers and reviews. Thanks for listening.